heroes show us we don't need to be perfect to do what's right. It's not about living without fear, but facing injustice. It's not about being powerful, but finding your calling when you least expect it. They show us it's okay to be vulnerable. No matter how tough you are. Because even though they're heroes, they're still human. It is such fun creating characters, writing stories, even doing interviews, even though I can't hear most of what the guy says to me. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction, you don't want to stop. Excuse me, I'm looking for some guy named Stan Lee. What? Spider-Man? Uh, Pam, hold my calls for a while. I, I think I've finally gone crazy. You know, Spidey, I've always wanted to experience real web-slinging. And I've always wanted to be appreciated as a real hero. You know, it reminds me of an issue of Spider-Man I did when Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy went lingerie shopping. Of course, the Green Goblin showed up, and he pumpkin-bombed the hell out of the place. But aside from that, it, it's pretty much the same thing. Oh, my God. Aren't you? Oh, Stanley. Hi. Welcome back to the Baxter, Dr. Richards. I've got the usual for you. Good to have you back, sir. Uh, invitation, sir. Um, I should be on that list. Name? Stanley. Yeah, uh, nice try, buddy. No, nice no, try. really, nice I'm Stanley. Yeah. Did it work? I thought he'd be taller. Superheroes in New York? Give me a break. Are your pulses pounding? Can you feel its eyes upon you? The dweller in the dark is watching. Relax, uh, Harry. It's just Stan. Any questions? Yeah, can I have my shoe back? I'm terribly sorry about your loss, dear. As for you, now is your chance to do better. Oh, man. I am so fired. Fred, son. Dad. I wear them front. I wear them back. I, I go, go inside, inside out. out. Then, then I go, I go front, front and, and back. back. Dad! Peter Parker! I think I know that guy. He's not meant for mortal men. Neither was Omaha Beach, Blondie. Stop trying to scare us. Come on. All right. Excelsior. Hey, could I borrow the sports section? Thank you. Coming onto our stage right now. Give it up for Chastity! Are you Tony's stank? <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> wow, nice suit. Zip it, Stanley. Don't oh, make me come you. down there, you punk. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Marjorie, how are you? How's your mother? Anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted, at that time, I was a Federal Express man. Hey, fellas. Hey, wait, where are you going? Hey, you were supposed to be my lift home. How will I get out of here? Hey, oh, gee, I've got so many more stories to tell. 
Oh, guys. Oh, gee. I think whatever you do, you should do what you most want to do and what you're best at. Too many people don't really do what their heart's desire is, but they try to do something else because they think, well, it'll be easy to get a job or to make money. And if that happens, then when you're doing it, you feel like you're working. But if you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. It's easier for you to do. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into our special tribute to Stan Lee, let's get to our usual shtick of how people can get a hold of us on social media. How? First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there and join the 8,000 plus that have come along for the ride. Follow us on Twitter at The Marvelists. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick. Eddie's not on Twitter. Give us a follow on Instagram at The Marvelists. Give myself a follow on Instagram at Peter Melnick and yourself. Eddie9193. Just a little quick thing. During the New York Comic Con special, I accidentally called you Eddie9195. So maybe you should get that extra uh, Twitter name or Instagram name too. Here we go. Anyway, drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelist at gmail.com. Give us a, uh, yeah. Also, go on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Give us a listen on there. You can listen to us on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. And also, you can listen to us now on Spotify, available for all iOS and Android devices. And if you go to stitcher.com slash premium, use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. You'll be able to help support the show and sign up for one free month of Stitcher Premium and listen to a wide variety of content. If you want to know what other shows, hey, listen to a previous episode and find out. But after that one month is over, you end up getting to sign up and it'll be $4.99 a month and it is worth every penny. So stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And yeah, so check that out. This has been an episode I have not wanted to do. I knew we would have to do this one day since we started the show. Eddie, you're better with this stuff than I am in regards to talking about that. Tell the people at home what happened. Well, well, we know that as of recent events, November 12th, we got the word that Stanley Martin Lieber, Stan Lee, had left this earth, had passed away at the age of 95. Bless his soul. And uh, all condolences and good thoughts to his family, immediate friends, and everybody that's sharing the uh, the loss that we are all feeling here, the emptiness. It is something, yeah, Peter, like you just said, that we knew was going to happen eventually. But you put things off. It's at arm's length. Okay, well, it's not affecting me that much. It's 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 you know out the, out there still. Maybe and one yeah. day it'll happen, but yeah, pay but no not mind. Now we don't, you know. So you put it out of your mind, out of sight, out of mind, kind of thing. And there had been, over the last couple of years at least, stories or news items that came up involving Stan, whether it be good, not so good, or otherwise. And you, maybe you thought, oh, how old is he now? You know, and, and he's still, okay, good, you know, let's let's keep it that way. And you go into your cocoon maybe, 
and your you know security blanket type thing and everything's still okay right and him taking a a turn for the worse when we heard about at least one episode of that i think a case of pneumonia that wouldn't uh, that he couldn't shake and uh, this time had to get rushed to a hospital in los angeles i believe it w- was it sunday right or was it monday morning oh with california time well i mean i know we found out that it was November 12th, Monday. Yeah, in the uh, evening, new, or not evening, afternoon, New York time. Yes. So Around 2 o'clock, been, I found out. Yeah, so it could have been still November 12th. Yeah, that's that's what Wikipedia has gone with as well, and that's a source of a lot of what I'm going to read off in terms of history and some other stuff you might not know about Stan the Man, and some that you did know, and just reinforcing and remembering again. And we thank you if you contributed some input to what you remember, whether it was posting stuff that we've read to ourselves personally or that may be included with this with this podcast. And, of course, we'll have our own memories of Stan to uh, pass on as well. And, yeah, when I have to ask you, how did you find out? I found out. See, this is one of the things where you go, where were you when Stan Lee died? You know, people will remember. Others who don't listen to the podcast or that minute, you know, it, okay. Oh, he, you know, another celebrity passed away. Okay. And, uh, we've had a few in the comic book universe within this past 12 months. The biggest one being Steve Detko. Yeah. Spider-Man's creators died in the same year. Mm-hmm. Pure coincidence, but there yeah. you go. I found out from you because I was in the midst of something at the, at work, I believe. And you, you just came through with a text saying that, it was simple to the point. Yeah, yes, yes. And you found out. I found out through a friend on Facebook Messenger. She messaged me and goes, Stan Lee died, sad face emoji. And I'm just yeah. like, I got that message and I was at work. I got up, ran into the bathroom to quickly check. And then I saw and yeah. So we remember where we were when this happened. It's amazing how a lot of people have gone on Facebook or otherwise and shared memories or just a picture and a lot of people somebody even commented who didn't have a picture with Stan there were some people who admitted yes they never get to they never got to meet him a lot of people in like comics that. never got to meet him sure absolutely friend of the show Chip Zdarsky you know he in our interview with him he said yeah I'll be honest you know I don't know if I want to meet Stan if you remember correctly I think yes something to that effect yes and I I think we talked about why did he say that in that respect, and I'm not sure if it was because he had passed his prime, he wasn't in the best health, slowly declining, and yeah, would put a, a downer, a real bummer on your preconceived uh, concept of this big icon legend person that, you know, you, you would hate to see him, or if it was, of course, a female, her in in such a, a state. Yeah. But, you know, that that might be something that, you either could have done or wished you could have done, regret not doing kind of thing. I mean, I've known Stan. I first met him by way of a comic book. And it's just kind of odd that I remember what it was. I decided to get a few different titles. And I was about 12 or 13 and living in the Bronx. And it was a stationary store that had that spinner rack of comics. And hey, I, kids, comics. Yeah. I got X-Men number 114 among a few other ones. Defenders, I, I have to go and 
really try to remember it, but that one stood out. And Stan really wasn't actively writing comics at the time, but he was always involved in comics in regards to the television aspect at the time. You know, he would be the narrator on Spider-Man and his, I believe, Amazing Friends. And that was later. But what I'm talking about is the fact of just seeing his name inside every front page, the first page of newspaper comic that would yellow and fade, not the stuff that is glossy now and doesn't fade, but God help you if it got wet. It's fused together, I know from experience. And don't forget, though, at the time, what else was he writing in the Marvel comics? Stan Soapbox. Stan Soapbox, yeah. There's a part of that that's in the bio here as well. But I would see his name, Stan the Man Lee. Or, you know, and just some catchy phrasing things rhyming with somebody's name. Alliteration. A lot of alliteration from Stanley Manley. Yeah, yeah. That's when I first got this name across my eyeballs and would over would always see it until later, much later, when he stepped down from the ranks as a, you know, a top banana. And, of course, there's some who may not agree in full with what we're saying, but as the PR guy, as the one who was the face of Marvel Comics or became, whether it was self-imposed or otherwise, I mean, I compare that on another level to Cousin Brucey, Bruce Morrow, who was out there all the time making appearances and, you know, just getting out there, getting himself and the radio station he worked for known and so on. And so he was the face of the radio station for a time. Eddie Stanley was the face of Marvel. I've heard him compared to one person. And every time I hear this, I'm like, you know, that's a perfect comparison. Stan Lee is the P.T. Barnum of comic books. Okay. Over the top, boisterous, a showman, like you said. Just a very charismatic figure. And he, I, I saw recently a discussion in regards to the whole, who deserves the credit? Who, you know, Stan, Steve, Jack, etc. Well, you have to realize Ditko didn't want to be out there. Ditko was a massive introvert. Right down to the point where we never really saw what he looked like towards the end, or at all. Like yep. The last known photograph of the man is from the 1960s. And he did well in preserving that for yes, himself. Yes, so. he did. Yeah. Kirby, Kirby, again, artists are introverts. But when you're Stan, you have to be, well, everyone else is very shy and timid. You know what? I'll be the one to take the ranks and be that charismatic figure. And you have to be. When you, you know, are in that kind of situation, you got to be the one that, all right, no one else will do it. Fine, I'll do it. Yeah, the pitch man. Yeah. All those and, names that we've said, the pitch man, the PR person, the showman. Yeah, the ringleader, maybe, uh, depending on your personal preference. And to his credit, I mean, putting you know, the, the, uh, the comic book brand, the industry, you could even stretch it out to say on the map. And leading the way to what we have now. Because without a Stan Lee, where would we be in the comic book world? We don't know. We can only speculate. But he did so, so much. We just, uh, I think I speak for both of us in saying we can't wait. And I say that cautiously to see how Marvel Comics is going to handle and promote and again, market, uh, you know, a special. Life of Stan, or whatever may come Oh, you out. know there will be. 
I know. Yes, I, I, I know. And I'm saying can't wait in terms of excited, apprehensive, anxious, perhaps. Um, let's not blow it out of the water, though, and, and over overdo it in a, in a way. And maybe I mean don't charge us an arm and two legs and other appendages to to get this. That's a turn Would you off. be fine with losing your elbows for this, Eddie? I'm telling you what. <laughs> no skin off my knee. Or elbows. Well, this is elbow. That's why I said knee. Come on. So I, I, I just said to myself, I can't wait. I mean, I'm hoping that Marvel's not going to have a field day with, with this and milk it for all they can. But, you know, it's it's to the powers that be, uh, the almighty dollar, whatever you want to call it, and just just use caution, true believers, with um, what you what you want to collect for stand memorabilia going forward. And I just, I was very fortunate to meet Stan, and a lot of us have stories about meeting him, and the year I met him, I ended up also writing to Steve Ditko. So within the course of a year, I got to, you know walk up to shake the hand of and thank Stan Lee for a big part of my childhood and also send a letter to Steve Ditko through correspondence and tell him what an impact he had. In the course of the same year, meeting and corresponding and communicating, and now in the same year, in in the course of a same year, them both going, leaving us, yeah. And it's, it's a very sad thing obviously, for all involved, more so, you know, for his, the ones close to him. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. But with his passing, we're able to reflect on the impact he had in this medium, these characters he created. And I'll just get to it right now. Who would you say is your all-time favorite character created by Stan? For me, with Marvel, it started with Spider-Man. Same so here. It stays. I think it stays right there. And you're mentioning, by the way, you know your early experiences, yours with him, of getting introduced to the work of Stan Lee and just the man in general. I was thinking about it at one point. I was like, "Oh, my original introduction to Stan Lee was the '95 or '94 Spider-Man animated series." Which, right before I came over here to uh, record, I was actually watching some of the. Uh, I believe the second episode where the scorpion comes out and J.A. Jonah Jameson helps create the scorpion. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, yeah, still, that show holds up phenomenally well, but that's a topic for another day. And I then came to the realization, no, that was not my first introduction to Stan Lee. Because the other day, when we were all reflecting on our favorite cameos, memories of Stan, Chad Young of Horror Movie Barbecue was sharing his favorite Stan Lee cameo, which was the Teen Titans Go cameo which, if you haven't seen the cameo, is really, really funny and really, really great. But again, topic for another day. Mm. But we're talking about it. And he then goes, actually, my favorite cameo was his appearance on Muppet Babies. And I completely forgot that happened. Because when I was a kid, I loved Muppet Babies. Like, I'm a big Jim Henson fan. And on the topic of Jim Henson, by the way, somebody made this collage, and it was... Jim Henson, Bob Ross, Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter, Mr. Rogers, and then at the bottom, Stan Lee. With Spider-Man. Yeah. And a, and a uh, catchphrase with each of the um, 
I know people there. Yes, Jim Henson was life. Stan was imagination, and it was it just kept going, kept going. And I'm like, wow, it's true. Yeah, just one word synopsis of these of these people, like the that impact could, they had on that people. Could be described, yeah, yeah. I actually thought because it had the four others, and then on the bottom was Stan and Spider Man as a bigger picture. I think it all. It was a great compilation. There's no question about it. But I think, it, it to me, it looked like it compared Stan to everybody else. I'll be honest, yeah. And that, he was on uh, par with them. that Stan with just imagination to create this. It, 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 I think, gave off to me a more powerful impact of if you had to choose who was the greater of all of these. I think they're all equal. Uh, then it looked like it was leaning in Stan's favor for sure. But still, it's you know another person's representation and you know just conveying that and as a lot of posts that we've seen in pictures and with the episode that this will become, there will be some other pictures that you may have seen before, and we'll do so again now with the episode, but still worth seeing again. I remember, like you said, Peter, with first encountering Stan, the first Amazing Spider-Man issue that I had gotten. Um, I believe it was issue one fifty nine. It was a Hammerhead on the cover issue. And again, seeing his name in the front page and stuff like that. And, of course, in a Marvel Tales starring Spider-Man, the reprint of the early Spider-Man stuff. I can't remember that issue number, but that was my other Stan beginning. And eventually getting into other comic book titles, of course, Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk, X-Men. The list goes on. My actual Stan Lee meeting, which I posted recently or reposted, happened in uh, late March of 2012 at what was then called the New York Comic Book Marketplace in Manhattan across from Madison Square Garden before the Big Apple Con took over. And after prepaying for the photo, instead of the autograph, I said, you know what, I'd rather have the photo uh, than trying to do it day of. And, of course, drawing a big crowd. And when when we waited online for however long it was, he came in the building with an escort. He waved everybody as he's walking rapidly to where he's going to sit down and have his picture taken. Everybody's cheering. Finally getting up there. I'm in my debut of my Reed Richards Mr. Fantastic costume. Had not come across and put on the lab coat part of it yet. And just real quickly said, you know, been a fan. Thank you for your work. And in the midst of shaking his hand and looking at the camera, boom, there it was, captured with my my cousin-in-law, as I call him, Larry, getting in that shot. And all of it was two and a half seconds, I'm going to say. I don't know if he heard a word I said. I'm not sure if I remembered what I said, if he had any real reaction, except for smiling and maybe saying thank you. And it was done. It was over. You were in and out, just getting people through there. But so worth it. And now I have this uh, memory for a lifetime of that that quick meet thing. Uh, The only other time I really caught sight of Stan... Might have been in a couple of other shows. Not to get an autograph or photograph, I got it. I, I reached that point. And at that point, I believe he was just just 89 and still doing these things. Um, and you didn't know even at that point, well, how much longer is he going to, you know, you say it to yourself under your breath, how much longer is he going to be around? I think I should, try, I should try to do this type of thing. So, yeah, 2012 already, that's when it was. The other time I had seen him, it was at the end of a Super Mega Fest out in Framingham, Massachusetts. I had been to this thing for a total of about four or five years. But one of those years, I'm going to say 2014, he was a guest and doing all his thing. I didn't wait in line, get anything like that. But it was Sunday afternoon, and people are milling around in costume or otherwise. And 
here comes a tall, imposing bodyguard walking through the lobby, and behind him is an elderly gentleman with a small carry-on wheeling it. And if you talk about hiding in plain sight, and they just walked as if nobody was around them, nobody stopped, got in their way, walked through the revolving door of the front of the hotel, and I said to two girls I were I was talking to that were big fans, did you see who that was? That was Stan Lee. And they went, oh, my God. And they, and they went scurrying out to try and, I don't know what happened as a result, but I just saw it as if it was in slow motion. <laughs> and just saw it in slow motion as I was, see, this is, he's coming through. I don't even know if that he was wearing a hat to try and cover any, just walked out like it was nobody's business. Yeah. Not talking, just kept moving. And it was just like, it was just some old guy walking through the hotel lobby. That was a moment. And, and that's the yeah. stuff, it's appreciative. And you remember that it sticks with you. When I met him, I mine's not as, like, of a movie as yours is, to be honest. Like, that feels like a movie. <laughs> yeah. Mine was, I went with my friend Autumn to New York Comic Con, I believe it was 2013. We went, signed up for the photo op, and at the time that was like a $60 photo op, and me being a broke kid and she being a broke kid, we both pitched in together, paid $30 a piece to meet Stanley. Yeah, that's what you do. So we got the photo, get on the line, get in there, and we see Stan. And by the way, at this point, we were mulling over whether or not we wanted to get a photo op with him, or I believe it was somebody else. I want to say it was John Barrowman from Doctor Who and Arrow and everything. Mm-hmm. And I made the right choice. Yep. Because as much as I love John... Stan. Yeah. That's all you need to say is one word. Just four Stan. letters. Mm-hmm. So I get on the line. We get up to the front end. Like, people are walking past us that already did their photo ops. One guy who was dressed up as Stan Lee, you know, like, he put in, like, color in his hair, had the mustache, the tan shirt, tan slacks. And I go, how was Stan? He goes, amazing. Or I go, hey, Stan, how was Stan? Amazing. <laughs> Walks away. Cool. We get up, and I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Autumn walks up, shakes his hand, and I just look at him. I go, Dad? And he said <laughs> something, and I don't know what he said, but he said something. I don't know if it was like I couldn't hear you, but they were trying to push us. Come on, you got to go. You got to go. Yeah. This was later on, obviously. And, yeah. But... I like to think in the back of my mind that Stan said, son, because, you know, the father and son reunion is only a something away. Yeah. Hey, this is the marvelous. That's a, uh, that's a delineation from the uh, song. But we have to have at least one musical reference. I know it's a somber occasion, but But even. But it's mother and child. But anyway. That too. Well, Well, Stan was a bad mother. Have you seen that photo of him? Or a bad man pajama. What? (laughs) Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Stan. That's exactly right. So you forgot what he said to you. I couldn't hear then him as it, well okay. because it was so you loud. Sure then, uh, well, yes, I can understand that. And yeah, it that's on par though oh, with. Man, I said I can understand that. Okay. A that reminds me Fonzie. though of when I met Scott Snyder and I asked him for writing advice and I was in the, the heat of the moment and I just stopped listening to what he was saying and I'm just thinking in the back of my head, 
I'm talking to Scott Snyder. I'm talking to Scott Snyder. And you missed the advice. And I got to tell Greg Capullo that story recently at New York Comic Con. I said, yeah, I'll be honest. And he burst out laughing. So, but that's what happens when you're in these moments meeting these people. You walk up to Stan Lee and you're, you're shaking. Were, be honest. Were you shaking when you met him? I was nervous. Yeah. I was a little, you know. Making sure, more than anything, trying to make sure in my brain I was going to get what I wanted to say out of my brain, out through my mouth. One of the architects. I think it worked, but one of the architects of our childhood, of our imaginations, we both got to meet, and we got like, I've been very fortunate to be able to meet a lot of my heroes, and every single one. Knock on wood, people. Even though I'm knocking on a metal table, knock on my head. There we go. You're doing the same. Wow, we both did that at the same time. Uh It's like we, it's like we finish each other's sandwiches, but ew. (laughs) <laughs> I did not think I could get that reaction from Eddie out of a Frozen reference, but uh, here we are, people. And I can't believe I made a Frozen reference. But the just you know being fortunate enough to meet some of my heroes, like Kevin Smith, who yeah. When I heard about Stan passing, Kevin was one of the first people I thought of. And this also getting over to the topic of where were you? And how people reacted. Both you and I got from people around us, hey, are you okay? Yeah, we got that kind of thing, a text, a message, hey, hope you're okay, heard about Stan, sorry for your loss. All the above. And it's just kind of kind of cool. Each gesture was really sweet. Yeah. And it really meant a lot, you know, to hear that. And the fact that my you know, my ex-girlfriend sends me a text. Hey, I'm thinking about you. You you okay? That was cool. And it meant a lot to hear from these people around us that, you know, not just because, I, as I said in the last episode on New York Comic Con special, it's cool to hear from people, you know, wanting our thoughts on this. But to be thought of when you hear about something like that, and we're not related at all technically, but we are. Yeah, well, that means a lot to hear no, too. Don't be mistaken, anybody thinking that. Uh, well, at least I speak for myself, saying I'm not. I've never gone around saying, "Oh, Stanley, this and Stanley, this." Exactly that. The other people know that I love comic books, Marvel comic books more so, and Stan Lee has become associated and known in the vernacular, in the popular people's consciousness. Forefront, comic books, Stan Lee, boom, you know, they make the correlation and that kind of thing. I wasn't the Uber Stan Lee fan, anything like that, the ultimate. You mean Stan Lee was a driver for Uber for a while? You you see there? See what you learn on the show? (laughs) And I mean, I'm I wonder why you digest. I do. Because you want to eat somebody else's sandwiches. I mean, man, I, yeah, people associate me with Marvel stuff, not just because of the show, I have a Star-Lord tattoo, and that Star-Lord tattoo, before the end of the year, is going to be joined by a Spider-Man tattoo. So, Only when it's visible. If it's not, you have no idea. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got to show the guns off to the, you know, the people. Pew, pew. <laughs> Lasers. It's a gun, isn't it? <laughs> a technologically advanced gun. Tag it's for an short. elemental blaster. Okay, good. But when it came to all of this... It's, it is rough. Like, it's something we all expected to see happen. We knew it was going to happen. We knew it was inevitable. But we didn't want that day to come. And how dare we be so selfish? 
wheel. Yeah. I'm saying that I'm trying to look on the other side of the coin. But uh, I'm in agreement. Not being on that side of thing, and and we're only going to know so much, you know, whether it's somebody else that put out a biography of Stan. There was a book that I took a picture of. I was going to post, but I said, oh, maybe it's not in the best interest to to do that. Um, but you know, we'll get information as it becomes available, whether it's Wikipedia like I have here, or otherwise there'll be somebody else's, you know, uh, somebody else's take on it. We don't know the full story. We also don't know how many more times we will see Stan in a cameo in a Marvel movie. Well, I just a, a coworker of mine. Here's a little tangent. A coworker of mine's young son, maybe about thirteen or so, said to his mother, "Mom, how do you spell cameo?" And she says, "You know, Stan Lee died." So the kid associated the word cameo with Stan Lee. Really? She's pretty wild, yeah. And she knows now some more about this stuff as well. So she's almost like the Penny character in Big Bang Theory coming to uh, my coworker, Trey Stone, and guest of the podcast as well, and asking questions once in a while. And I just have to say, the uh, internet personality, Bardock Obama, on, I believe, Twitter and Facebook, he was talking about the whole passing of Stan Lee. And, you know, going back to you saying, you know, how could we be so selfish— he summed it up pretty much by saying, Stan got to live to be 95 years old. Not many people can say that. And No, in whatever path of life they were on, yeah. Another comment that was made was, and it's, it's one of my favorite ones because it's true, we got to live in the same time as Stan Lee. We got to share the earth with him at the same time. Yes, on a grand scale, you put it that way, absolutely. That's such a cool thing, like... So for me, I could say I've done it for about 43 years. Yeah. Having known or existed in the same, you know, plane of plane of existence or, yeah. 29 over here. Uh-huh. And it does also... Well, you can say 29, but I, I could have said 53, but I'm saying 43, and that's really because when I became Stanley aware. I would say then 26. Okay. Yeah. Because when I was three, I was watching Muppet Babies, and he All made right. his cameo on there. Mm-hmm. There you go. But the whole issue of the future of the cameos, and obviously, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important. But there are people that, you know, when he passed, you would just hear this, who's going to do the cameos now? And <laughs> it made me laugh, but... We so it's it's almost going to sound like the equivalent of the kid going. My dad works at Nintendo, so I got to know this top secret information. But I have a friend who had a beer with a guy, and obviously this is this is such a you know verifiable source. Um, he pretty much said that Stan recorded cameos in front of a green screen for a total of three plus days. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah, we just don't know how far those three days worth of cameos will take the films. But, hey, that's something to look forward to. It sounds very encouraging. I mean, I know, and from what we've heard and or read, in Avengers 4, yes, he'll be there. I'm pretty sure it's a safe bet to say in Captain Marvel in March, he'll be there in some way, shape, or form. Perhaps Dark Phoenix in June. We'll have him in Into the Spider-Verse in December. Okay. And yep. if you say Dark Phoenix, I don't see that happening. Because he did how many X-Men cameos? Um, 
yeah, well, the first X-Men, he was on the beach at the hot dog stand, for I'd, example. That was one of his first ones. Three with the hose. <laughs> three with the hose, that's right. Gene! Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see it happening, to be honest. But I did love going to New York Comic Con this past year. And that weekend, I went to go see Venom. And going to see Venom, going to see a comic book movie in general, Comic-Con weekend, when you're with your own people and you're watching the people react to it and just seeing everyone geek out when, obviously, if you haven't seen Venom by now, I guess shut the podcast off or something. I don't know, but... Or don't, or you but, know, you'll get to it, <laughs> just like but other things. The spoiler, the spoiler people, and if you don't want to know, shut it off or earmuffs. And I'll say it right now, when Carnage shows up, when Carnage shows up and you hear the reaction from the crowd, woo! But when Stan showed up for his cameo, talking to Eddie Brock, I got goosebumps. Yes. Not because he showed up, because you hear, ah, oh, and he got a standing ovation for standing on a street corner. <laughs> because of who he was, and it made, like, my smile was from ear to ear, man. Well, it's a better reaction than... I mean, it was a good reaction that I'm comparing it to because when we both had seen Avengers Infinity War during East Coast Comic Con, there were others who had been in the theater also for that. And but it was a very... It was a it was a midnight showing. It was a late <laughs> show and not as many people. And there was there was some kind of reaction. Probably the the best or most intense reaction that I'd heard in any theater, any audience react to. It just so happened that it was, you know, that one. But it was still um, a positive thing. But nothing like getting a standing ovation for standing on a street corner. Yeah, that's that's tough to beat. And it just, it made me smile because he became a thing that everyone knew would be there. He was always a certainty. And at this point, he became, you know what he we knew we know a stanley cameo is going to happen but what is it going to be right and it did bum me out when uh deadpool 2 came out and all he was was like graffiti on a wall not not an actual cameo but you, when you understand why it made sense yeah. and with the upcoming release of once upon a deadpool in december people are speculating whether or not he's going to have a cameo in that because it's going to be the whole, you know, Fred Savage storytelling thing. Maybe Stan could show up. We don't know. It could be in a dream. Who knows if somebody's daydreaming? Yeah. Uh, you know, a dream sequence of some sort. Sure. It'd be nice. Yeah. It would actually be nice if he shows up because he could play the role of uh, Peter Falk's character from Princess Bride. Oh, jeez. I mean, when you really think about it, we were also robbed the idea of a Columbo reboot with Stan Lee. Just imagine Stan going, not just one more thing, true believers. Sure. There you go. How great would that have been? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Stan Lumbo. Stan Lumbo. Here we go. Now. Do we want some history? Absolutely. Well, let me let me just ask you, what are some of your favorite stories that Stan wrote? I couldn't get in depth with that stuff, to be honest. There were probably, I have to go back to um, Spider-Man again, and more maybe more so the, the Marvel tales, of the, the retelling, the earlier stuff. Yeah, where they reprinted the original Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and there was a nice ongoing thread of, you know, the, the relationships. 
mostly with Peter and how silly, geeky, nerdy. Some of those words weren't even used then, I guess, geeky or nerdy um, or dweeb that he would try to Dexter. be. Yeah, that he would be um, a bookworm maybe. Well, around around the girls, whether it was Mary Jane Watson or Gwen Stacy, anybody else that he came in contact with, because he might say something and then in the thought bubble be like, well, why did you say that? That was good going, Parker, you know. Um, so some of his, and that's, that was part of why he did, or what he did, he loved so much. And it was so different, to, not only at the prompting of his wife saying, tell this, tell the story the way you want to tell it, but he also grounded these characters that they were, they were as real as they possibly could be and have problems that we as fellow human beings would have and questions and concerns and anxieties and fears. And yeah, absolutely. And happy times. So he wrote from experience or what he perceived as to be other shared experience. So I think that was a great, the greatest quality I remember about his writing ability and style. Sure. He made characters feel real. Yeah. Like they were relatable. And I like DC. But to me, DC is no Marvel. When you have a character like Superman where he really has no flaws. When you have a character like Batman who is not relatable to the average person. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm not a billionaire with mommy and daddy issues, <laughs> you know? Yeah, not really. <laughs> but, well, at least half. But <laughs> you have a character like Spider-Man where his problems are, oh no, I got pimples... And I have to fight Doctor Octopus. Yeah, obviously I'm Real gonna have teenage stuff. I'm gonna have half of those problems. I never did have pimples, Eddie. During and <laughs> I did not know you then, so I'll have to take your word for it. My skin was fantastically clear. Okay, <laughs> clear still. And you have all these characters that stand created, and they. You have the Fantastic Four. You look at the Fantastic Four, and they're a family. They argue. They fight. But at the end of the day, they have to overcome everything and still be a strong family unit. That's relatable. You have sometimes the character of the Incredible Hulk, his anger because of loved ones, because of he's this tortured soul. That can be relatable for somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but oh no, the Flash's head just became gigantic because of a spell from a wizard. That's not very relatable. <laughs> yes, far-fetched. In far fetched. Far forehead. Far. Take a tape measure to that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Stan made these characters very relatable, very entertaining. And that's, you know, what you got to credit him for, especially. And the collaborations he did with Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, Don Heck, etc., etc., John Ramita, Sr., they helped create modern-day mythology. And I have gone on waxing poetically about it, but it's the truth. And we're talking about times where people did more than one thing. They did a multitude, and they got it done in less time. We've spoken on this at least a couple of times before. 
how so few people could do so many different, put on different, so many hats or do so many different roles and get it done in this strict time frame so much more differently than it, than it is now than what we've found out and so on. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of credit or people didn't realize how much that was being done for the comics to get them out. And, and that's why if I read it right and I'm saying, relating it right, he shortened his first name to change it because when he got to do some real literary writing, then yes, he would use his regular born God-given name for, for that. And but Stan Lee, associate uh, with with this stuff. Stan was ashamed of comics for a while, and then yeah. one day he's just like, "No, you know what? I'm giving people entertainment." Mm-hmm. And to him, that was important because making people entertained, you're making them happy. That's a damn good purpose to give for one's life. Yeah, and he just that stuff that really resonates. Like, yeah, of course, we all, you know we have our passions of things and sometimes it can be like, Oh, you're just doing that. And you're a little bit embarrassed of it, but then you overcome that. You're like, no, you know what? I make someone happy with this. Exactly. That's the best. Yeah. And a lot of things about Stan were common knowledge, things little known. You have the trivia in front of you, Eddie. Tell the audience. Yeah. I mean, just starting with, we know he had his, his titles and, and everything he did as far as the publishing, the chairman, um, and with the expansion from a small division of a publishing house to a large multimedia corporation, this is a beginning synopsis again of Wikipedia. Collaborating and co-creating, and let's run down the list in no particular order, Spider-Man, Hulk, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Black Panther, X-Men, and with his brother, co-writer Larry Lieber, Ant-Man, Iron Man, and Thor. And so we're told pioneering a more complex approach to writing superheroes in the 60s and then in the 70s challenging the standards of the comics code authority you remember that little cca in a stamp foil type of thing on the comics and indirectly leading to it updating its policies that comes along later with a spider-man story Um, following his retirement from marvel he as you know remained a public figurehead for the company made cameo appearances in the movies and then continued some independent creative ventures into his 90s until his death. I think we'll need to talk a little bit about some other things that he did to get a well, more well-rounded um, Stanley biography. Inducted into the comic book industry's Will Eisner Hall Award Hall of Fame in 1994 and the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 1995 and a National Medal of Arts in 2008. If we go back to the beginning... He had said in 2006 that as a child he was influenced by books and movies, particularly those with Errol Flynn playing heroic roles. Also, actually, as of today, the recording of this, I had seen a New York Times, I think it was a five-minute piece that was where I think pretty well done. And he spoke from 2015, I think it was, and glossed over some of his highlights kind of thing. Um School-wise, he attended DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx. That's one fact I just was unaware of because I was from the Bronx till age 12. Um, and then you became the Bronx. I became the Bronx, yes. We, we probably know the story about with his uncle, Robbie Solomon, became an assistant in 1939 at the new Timely Division, Timely Comics Division, rather. And it was all pulp-type stuff. It wasn't anything 
serious. I'm sure that people didn't save. It was something you just read and discarded like the regular newspaper kind of thing now. And then, of course, by the 60s, Timely turns into Marvel Comics. And young Stanley Lieber makes his comic book debut with the text filler, Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. And that was in Captain America Comics number three. The cover date was May of 1941. And he used the pseudonym Stan Lee. And later, of course, he would adopt it as his legal name. We uh, we talked about that a little bit. But this uh, story, by the way, also introduced Captain America's trademark ricocheting shield toss. I guess it's the first time we saw a shield bounce around almost like a boomerang. And, you know, the way it would, would come back to him. But Stan was also in the service in the Army in 1942. That's something that a lot of people actually don't realize. Nope. And So he's St- a veteran. Stan never really talked about that, if you noticed. Mm-mm. Yeah. But he was appreciative of servicemen. Yeah, and um, served within the United States. He was a member of the Signal Corps, repairing telegraph poles and other communications equipment. Then transferred to the Training Film Division. He was writing manuals, training films, slogans, and occasionally cartooning. His military classification, he says, was playwright. And he says that only nine men in the U.S. Army were given that title and uh, subsequently inducted into the Signal, the Signal Corps Regimental Association. Didn't know there was such a thing, but then it was also given an honorary membership of the 2nd Battalion of 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment out of Joint Base Lewis-McChord at the 2017 Emerald City Comic Con for his prior service. That's a long time. And he finally just got that recognition in 2017. Just making a little note here. Um, again, it's extensive. Yeah. And as people may know, comic books in general, mid-50s, um, the company that he was working for was now generally known as, as Atlas Comics. Uh, Stan wrote stories in a variety of genres like romance, westerns, humor, science fiction, medieval adventure, horror and suspense, all these different things, uh, you know, were trying to get off the ground, and there were so many different mediums out there, not what we have as much now. And uh, and and because of some of this, and I guess other factors, he was going to possibly quit, but his wife helped him get back on that path, so to speak. And Joni, we appreciate that. Yeah, we will always appreciate that. He took a hint or was given a hint, so to speak, from, from D.C. about coming up with a, with a team as an idea to, to work. A couple of ideas I read in this, in, in this are bio. Ta- are we talking about the lead-up of F4? Um, yes. Well, that I can tell you about. Basically, the whole situation happened where they saw that they were coming out with the Justice League and yeah. during a golf game... The publisher of uh, Marvel at the time, you know... Martin Goodman. Martin Goodman said, Stan, you should really do that. And this was around the time Stan was getting ready to quit comics. He was giving up, Mm -hmm. had his uh, typewriter out, and Joni pretty much said to him, write what you want to write. And so he did. Yep. And the F4 was born. That's with with Jack Kirby, exactly. Um, And let me cut you off right now for something. How appropriate is it that the Fantastic Four were gone from comics for so long because of all of the issues stemming from the Fox 
you know, deal and everything at the time, how they were tied up with that. And right before Stan passed, they finally brought his creation back. Yeah. Just Him that and Jack. Kind of timing. I yeah, exactly. But apparently, from what I read too, that the Fantastic Four were based on a previous Kirby superhero team called Challengers, Challengers of, the, of Unknown. the Unknown. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. And that was a DC thing. So then Fantastic Four takes off and the other characters come out like we previously mentioned, um, eventually leading to the Avengers and then reviving 1940s characters, Submariner and Captain America. If you're not, by the way, going back to Challengers of the Unknown, if you've never read it, I cannot recommend that enough. So, yeah. Big run on that? I don't know how long that lasted. I mean, I have two DC showcase collections worth of them. Oh, They're kind of okay. like kind of decent-sized phone books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He also, Lee, we we're talking, of course, about um, introducing the practice of regularly including a credit panel on the splash page of each story, naming not just the writer and the penciler, but also the inker and the letterer, and that's where the nicknames come in and that kind of stuff. Regular news about Marvel staff members and upcoming storylines on the bullpen bulletins page. And uh, written friendly, chatty, like, you know, very conversationally. And uh, I would say it's one of the things that set Stan apart from other creators. He gave the acknowledgement, but he also made it cool to be into this world. Like you were getting into the secret club and Stan was the, you know, Stan was the doorman. Exactly. And this is where the Stan soapbox comes out. And he also would sign off with his trademark motto, Excelsior which I'm guessing, of course, it just happens to be the New York State motto. But I would think that I could even hear him in an interview saying it just sounded like it spoke, you know, one word was just a uh, battle cry or exclamatory, positive, upbeat thing. Not to say, you know, tally-ho, but... How great would that have been if he did say that, though? Yeah, yeah. But I keep thinking that in terms of King Arthur and the medieval knights at a round table and stuff. What I couldn't get over was in some cases, in a lot of cases, he would just have whoever the artist was do that part of it, and then he would fill in the story later. And I thought it was had to be, I thought it had to be kind of the opposite or maybe neck and neck, hand in hand type of thing. But yeah, it would just happen in that, in that way and possibly to take less time and get these things cranked out. And it was just unreal that that could happen. But uh, let's see, 1965... The newly formed Mary Marvel Marching Society fan club, of which I was not a part, but definitely heard of it. And I saw will, ads and so on. I have to say this. I've been continually trying to find a Mary Marvel Marching Society pin on eBay. Wow. Like, not an original, but like at least a replica. And I was going to try and get one for you. I still can't find one okay. for like a decent price because I'm very thrifty. Yeah. <laughs> but I've wanted one, and I want that on my denim jacket so very much Badly, grammar is not my strong suit today. Well, you know, I'm sure when you get it, you'll have a security system attached to it, too. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So we're still in the 60s, and Stanley and Gene Colan create the Falcon comics' first African-American superhero, and that was in Captain America 117, September of 1969. In 1971, Lee indirectly helped reform the comics code 
because the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare asked Lee to write a comic book story about the dangers of drugs, and he conceived a three-issue subplot in Amazing Spider-Man, 96, 97, 98. This is May through July of 71. Peter Parker's best friend becomes addicted to prescription drugs. Comics Code Authority refuses to grant its seal because the stories depicted drug use. The anti-drug context was considered irrelevant. With previously mentioned Goodman's cooperation, Lee had the story published without the seal, and so the comic sold well, and CCA loosened the code to permit negative descriptions of drugs, among other new freedoms. Fast forward a little to 1972, Stanley stops writing the monthly comic books and assumes the role of publisher. Final issue of Amazing Spider-Man was number 110. His last Fantastic Four was 125. I'm guessing those have value of themselves, age, as well as what we just said, his last writing issues. And then he becomes a face, public figurehead for Marvel Comics. And together with John Romita Sr. launches the newspaper strip of Spider-Man in January of 1977. Here's another offshoot note. His final collaboration with Jack Kirby, The Silver Surfer, The Ultimate Cosmic Experience. 1978, part of the Marvel Fireside Books series, considered to be Marvel's first graphic novel. Not the ones we think of, I think, now, that are thinner and larger, but one that was more of a, a coffee table book in its own way, but a soft cover, paper, a large soft cover paperback type of thing. And I did, within the last couple of years, acquire a copy of, of that. And I think as they had come out, some of the Fireside books also that I'd seen go for sort of kind of crazy money. They were out for less than $10 a piece, and now they go for 40 50 or so. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time where Stanley Media filed for bankruptcy protection. It was in 2001, so everything wasn't good all the time. But PAL comes along, purveyors of wonder, together with Gil Champion and Arthur Lieberman, and that was to develop film, television, and video game properties. And the risque animated superhero series Stripperella. For Spike TV. It was certainly a show on television. Yeah, Spike TV, I believe, at the time. That era of Stan where he was creating things outside of Marvel, it's the less said the better, to be honest, the quality. So I, that's just me. I just don't, yeah. And that goes, uh, I guess, also with the 2006-2007, Who Wants to Be a Superhero on Sci-Fi? I watched that I Gu- guilty pleasure. Otherwise, I you know, I'll never forget when the wrestler Balls Mahoney showed up and beat up all the superheroes with a steel chair. <laughs> Those were the days, Eddie. <laughs> the salad years. I guess so. Fast forward, 2012, San Diego Comic Con, the announcing of Stanley's YouTube channel, Stanley's World of Heroes, and unfortunately, I didn't see any of that, but uh, programs. That were created by Stan Lee, Mark Hamill, Peter David, Adrian Curry, and Bonnie Burton, among others. And Stan wrote the book Zodiac from January 2015 
with Stuart Moore. Finally, I think, as we're getting close to the end here, his contributions continue to expand outside the style he helped pioneer. An example is his first work for DC Comics in the late 2000s, the Just Imagine series. As if Stanley was reimagining DC superheroes, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. And I think I have most of those, actually. He also did manga projects, an area I'm totally not versed in. So just throwing that out there. There was a uh, commemoration Marvel put out after 65 years with the company, the series of one-shot comics, with Lee as being the star and meeting with, interacting with many of the co-creations, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thing, Silver Surfer, Doctor Doom. These were also uh, featured short pieces with creators Joss Whedon, Fred Hembeck. And in 2007, Marvel Legends introduces a Stanley action figure. And the body beneath the figure's removable cloth wardrobe is a reused mold of a previously released Spider-Man action figure with minor changes. As intended. As intended, yeah. Not intended Nintendo, no. 2016 Comic-Con. Lee introduces his digital graphic novel, Stan Lee's God Woke. With text originally written as a poem he presented at Carnegie Hall in 1972. And FYI, the print book version won the 2017 Independent Publisher Book Awards Outstanding Books of the Year Independent Voice Award. That's a long title. Okay. Charity, Stanley Foundation, founded in 2010, focusing on literacy, education, and the arts. Goals included supporting programs and ideas that improve access to literary sources, as well as promoting diversity, national literacy, culture, and the arts. And here's a here's a comic that I got at the time that will have to be looked up and, and posted in a on a page of, of whatever day of the week that it's going to show up as. Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, together with production executive Saul Brodsky and Lee's secretary, Flo Steinberg, become superheroes. And it's in What If, number 11, from 1978... What if the Marvel bullpen had become the Fantastic Four? And over the years, I've been trying to get my hands on that book, and I oh. can never find it. It's somewhere here in Marvel Manor. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is, and it's definitely a different take on that stuff. Uh, Have you read it? Stan yes, yes. When it came out, I believe. And Stanley takes the part of Mr. Fantastic. As he should, in all honesty. And, of course, many numerous cameo appearances in many Marvel titles, which uh, too numerous to mention and which I'm sure can be found with not too much difficulty. And if you remember seeing and getting some of the Marvel flashback titles, he was uh, caricaturized with a top hat in the corner as like a ringmaster. I remember he showed up in These minus the one Deadpool editions. one. Oh, yeah, well... And it was so. It was very noir-like, and I loved that. Absolutely. So it's always fun to categorize and chronicle the issue as issue minus one, and everything was, I think, July of nineteen ninety-seven, and just yeah, that's what it was. It sure was nice of them to make that because of the fact that way people can have an earlier book than Amazing Spider-Man number one. 
Okay. Oh, this is the earliest book I own. When are you going to get the uh, next one? Uh, <laughs> uh, about that. Yeah, about that. Uh-huh. Lee was a credited executive producer on most Marvel film and television projects, beginning with the 1990 direct-to-video Captain America film. And he had completed the film footage for his cameo in the upcoming fourth Avengers film prior to his passing. Other health-related things. Um, he had a pacemaker put in in September of 2012. His wife, Joan, had passed away, married 69 years in July of 2017. Complications from a stroke. She was 95 years old. Stan died at the age of 95 at the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, California, after being rushed there in a medical emergency earlier in the day. A wave of tributes immediately followed. Marvel stars, friends like Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Sebastian Stan, Tom Holland, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Lawrence, Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and many more. That's the latest update. And that's the impact that Stan had on so many people, that people from all waves in entertainment reacted and they responded. Kanye West responded back with a rest in peace Stan Lee tweet. When people from another medium show you respect, that's the impact you made in the world. Like something completely unrelated, the world of hip hop, he showed his respect. Well, what it comes down to is Kanye's got comic books. That's what it sounds like. So, well, yeah, and he hasn't told us what he's got. Hey, there's a there's a big connection between hip hop and comic books, as evident with our most recent episode with DMC from Run DMC. Mm-hmm. And no doubt, no doubt, no that they were a Scott group, Eddie. Something else. That's right. What I want to do next, we asked you people out there on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on all that. We want to know what you thought of Stan Lee. And we have some written, you know, we have some written tributes, and we're going to be playing some audio tributes from you all about Stan. And I'm going to go with one from friend of the show, Jeremy Bagley. He actually wrote one, but he wrote an even better one on his page. And I'm going to read this. And as someone who can heavily relate to what he's saying, it really hit close to home. Met Stan Lee on four different occasions in my travels around the cons for all these years. Here's why his death hurt and why this celebrity death mattered to so many of us. I got into comics because I was a lonely child. I didn't have many friends and my parents worked different shifts to keep the roof over our heads. We didn't live in a city, so cable TV was not a thing for us in my formative years. What I had was weekly trips to the newsstand with my dad, where I'd buy as many comic books as I could and escape into the imagination of my mind. The lonely times flew by with my mind-made adventures starring the cast of characters that Mr. Lee created. When I became an adult, I'd created a life for myself that afforded me the opportunity to go to as many comic book conventions as I wanted. This was my make peace with myself, that I never chased my dreams and got into the business myself. There I met all sorts of former lonely kids who came together before it was cool to gather in peace and be nerds collectively. We'd never be lonely again. Eventually, the movies and the marketing of these characters led to worldwide popularity. Everyone's become a Marvel fan. They didn't know Stan Lee like we knew Stan, but we're a family of outcasts, so we let you all in, even after you shunned us out. That's the Marvel way. Why? Because our grandpa taught us to. 
To so many former nerds, loners, former fat kids, and rejects like me, Stan Lee showed us that our family was special, that we accepted everyone, and that the only criteria to be a member was that you had to believe. The architect of our dreams, the writer of our most amazing fantasies. Your family misses you, Stan. Thank you for making us all true believers. This one also comes from Facebook. Matt Perry. I never got the chance to meet him, but I've always looked up to him. So many of my friends became my friends through a shared love of his creations. I grew up as the biggest Spider-Man fan and have always been so inspired by Stan and his characters. His cameos have always made me smile, especially his Mallrats one, and I always wanted to get the chance to tell him how much he's inspired me and helped me. Billy Portuguese. I almost didn't, but will never forget this story. New York Comic Con 2016, Saturday, I think. I had a photo op scheduled with him, but the line to get into the Javits was huge. If I would have waited the whole time, I definitely would have missed it. So, I worked my way to the front and explained to my fellow nerds that I had a photo op scheduled with the great one, Stan Lee. There was a resounding, You go get that photo! And I made it, just in time. Excelsior. Doug McCausland. At my private autograph signing with him at Rhode Island Comic Con 2016, he walked out from behind a curtain, saw this small group of people waiting for him, and he threw his hands up in the air and said, Am I under arrest? Sarah Shaloman, I never met him, but a couple of years ago at Denver Comic Con, we ate lunch by his autograph area so we could say we ate lunch with Stanley. And next up, we actually collected some various audio tributes from listeners, friends, colleagues, and whatnot. And, yeah, they are about to start right now. Hey, Peter and the guys over at The Marvelous. This is Mitch Halleck from Terrific Con, Connecticut's terrific Comic Con, and producer and host of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Writing or singing or whatever the kids call it nowadays here on the old MP3 type of thing here. The messages, the, the podcast, the audio telling you what I remember best about Stanley Martin Lieber, a.k.a. Stan the Manly, the man who made it all happen, the Generalissimo, all right? Now, look, long before I got to meet him, he was my hero. I had three heroes growing up, Neil Armstrong, Bruce Springsteen, and Stan Lee, okay? One of them was out of this world. One of them could sing and make you feel like you can go out of this world. And the other guy created worlds. I'm talking about Stan Lee. When I was a little kid, I would study those comic books like they were the historical, biblical text of old, okay? Every single word, I'd scrounge and scour and look at it and say, how did this magic happen? And I would notice on the top of every single book, it would say these things. Stan Lee presents. Who is this Stan Lee? My God, that man must be some type of wizard to create such magic. So no, I sought him out. I told my mom, Ma, who's this guy? So she wrote him a letter and said, Dear Mr. Lee, my son is obsessed with you. He wants to grow up. He wants to work at the Marvel Comics. He wants to draw the Spider-Man. What can you do for him? So here I am, seven or eight years old, and what do I get in the mail? A little blue postcard from Stan Lee. It said, dude, listen, Mighty Mitch, your mom says you love comics. Well, we love to hear that. So keep on practicing drawing the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. And you too, 
can someday maybe work here at the House of Ideas. Make mine marvel, your friend Stan Lee Excelsior. I stared at that piece of paper like it was the Ten Commandments. Like the word on high from God himself, I hung that postcard after I brought it to school and showed all my friends what it was, and they didn't believe it was really Stanley Lee sent that to me. I hung that card on my wall. I would see it every morning when I wake up. I'd go to bed and see it before I close my eyes for the day, and I would dream of the day that I would work alongside Stan Lee. Well, it made me go to school. It made me study art. It made me study writing and all that, but what it did make me see is that Stan Lee was more than just a creative force. He was a showman. He was the P.T. Barnum of comics. He made things happen. He made you want to go out and buy that comic book, and if you could only read one comic that month, it had to be a Marvel comic, okay? That was the magic of Stan Lee, and that's something that I take dear and dear to my heart because when I go out there now, sure, I know how to draw. Sure, I went to work in an ad agency. Sure, I had fun doing all this stuff and design, and I attribute it all to being a, a fan of the mighty Marvel house of ideas. But no, when it comes to putting together a show, when it comes to getting on the air, when it comes to talking to fans, all I can think of is Stan Lee. What would Stan Lee do? And that is his greatest gift to me. Okay? So here we are celebrating the 95 years that Mr. Lee gave us. I was hoping he was going to make it to 100, but that doesn't wasn't in the cards. He is now part of the Power Cosmic. He is now out there, way beyond the dark dimension. Stan Lee is somewhere beyond the unknown, and he is still creating. Hopefully, he's settled things with Jack and Steve and all the rest that have gone before. But all I know is the world is a quieter place without Stan Lee. And all I can say is, enough said, baby. Hi, Peter. Hi, Eddie. Uh, this is Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Ray. Uh, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Chad from the Looney Bin. Yeah, and um, just a quick message. I mean, for me, Stan Lee was a, a great proponent of the comic book industry he uh, gave us relatable characters that we we kind of grew up with um, in our various stages of life, uh, like Spider-Man, uh, like like X-Men, uh, with you know with being outcasts, um, and yeah, he he just brought it a lot closer to us, and he also allowed for me uh, imagination and creativity to kind of flourish as well. Uh, I've got many happy memories of, of creating my own stuff, all because of these Marvel characters. So, uh, yeah, great great stuff from Stan Lee. Uh, Stan Lee, for me, not only did it give us these heroes that didn't have to be superhuman to do heroic things, but he also uh, helped with getting people into the hobby of comics and made, it, made me not seem like such a weirdo to some of my friends. And to me, Stan always seemed like, well, you know, the weird old grandpa who always told you those folklore-like bits that you never would hear from someone else. He was there to give you another perspective and, most of all, teach you lessons you could never learn on your own. 
Hey everybody, it's Joe St. Pierre. Uh, just a couple of words about Stan Lee because I could talk about him for a whole day and still not scratch the surface. But uh, Stan was a profound influence on my life uh, as a kid, reading comics like Spider-Man. Um, there was no one who spoke like Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the way he wisecracked his way through fights with villains or made fun of his boss. That was Stan's unique take on, uh, on a superhero character that kind of spoke to me directly. Um, I still think that Amazing Fantasy number 15, The Origin of Spider-Man, is a perfect comic book story. 74 panels of lean, mean perfection on par with Shakespeare or the Bible, in my opinion. Um, Stan also introduced himself and his co-workers in the credits of each comic book, and I took special notice of that as a kid. It seemed like him and like Stan and people like John Buscema, Jack Kirby, Joe Sinnott, Steve Ditko, Artie Simic, John Romita Sr., they were all working together on this comic book experience, and it seemed like they were all having a blast. And that was infectious to me. And it made me want to be a part of the comics-creating world. That's it in a nutshell. Um, as an adult with a collection of Silver Age Marvel art, I could see firsthand Stan's craft, the way that he refined the story and enhanced it, sharpened it um, with his dialogue. So I'd like to thank you, Stan. I really don't know what my life would be like without Stan Lee in it. I don't even want to think about it. Thanks, Peter and Eddie, for giving me the shot. And uh, talk to you all later. Bye. To quote Babe Ruth, depicted in the movie The Sandlot, one of my favorite quotes, Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. And I think that uh, means a lot for the passing of Stan Lee because he created and helped create a lot of our favorite heroes and villains alongside some of the, uh, the, the biggest p names in the industry at the time. And, and I think that's what's incredible. It's like that lightning in a bottle kind of scenario where you've got not just Stan, but you've got Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Joe Sinnott and this whole cavalcade of, of talent creating this world, these, these, these fantastic and marvelous worlds that uh, we still have today and that are just populated by all these characters we know and love. And uh, I'm sad Stan's gone. But I'm also thankful he's not suffering anymore because, you know, you, when you get sick when you're pushing 95, 96 years old, it, you know, it definitely isn't, it isn't a fun existence anymore. So I'm glad he's not suffering. And I'm thankful for everything he's done for us. And I, I'm, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I think he changed the world. He didn't just change the comic landscape. And arguments aside of who created what and what he really had his his hands-on, um, the one thing that Stan did was he helped us all marvel in, in the most truest sense of that word being a verb and a noun. Um, you need somebody to be the champion. You need someone to stand on, the soap, st stand on that soapbox, which 
I mean, Stan's soapbox was an incredible addition to comics as well, but you need someone to stand up there and to shout from the mountaintops. You got to love comic books. You got to check them out. Excelsior. Um, Hello, true believers, you know, rings in my ears, and I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever not hear that, even though he'll never say it again. I'm, uh, I'm thankful for everything that Stan did. I'm thankful that he championed comic books the way he did, because without him, we wouldn't have half of the comics we have today, because so many artists and writers and inkers and letterers and colorists cite Stan Lee as one of the main reasons why they even thought about pursuing the medium that they work in today. Sure, everybody has their heroes, artists, writers, and all that kind of stuff, but everybody gravitates back to Stan because Stan was the biggest voice for so long, the biggest cheerleader for the medium. And I'm thankful for that. I think we should all be thankful for that. Our lives are completely different because of it. We all we all know a little bit more about who we are thanks to reading about it in the pages of Marvel. You know, we all we all are a little bit of Reed Richards and Ben Grimm and Peter Parker. And we also are all a little bit of Victor Von Doom and Eric Leshner and and, uh, you know, these different characters. We, we embody them all because Stan knew that Stan knew that he wanted to create worlds and characters that people could relate to, that people could you know, see their, their, their strengths, their weaknesses, the good and the bad, because we all have that. And I think that's what's amazing about Marvel, and I think that's what's amazing about Stan Lee. I hope that um, we always remember Stan, and I, I say this all the time, I think the best way to remember him, celebrate him, is to read comic books. It's lost on a lot of people nowadays that, you know, these characters that are larger than life on the big screen or on your television set... And uh, or even in your video games, they all come from the same medium. It's that comic book. And I think I think we all need to frequent our local comic book shops and and buy comics and read comics and keep this industry going. And because who knows what it'll create? Who knows when the next batch of amazing and marvelous and strange and wonderful things will be created on those pages and within those panels? And who the next Stan Lee might be. Stan Lee was one of a kind. I'm not saying we're going to get another one, but we definitely have people in the industry now who are champions of this industry. And there are other people who are younger who are just reading books and drawing in their their notepads or, or writing stories in their journals. And one day they're going to be writing and drawing the superheroes and the villains that, that we're going to fall in love with. And it's a lot in part because of Stan Lee. Stan Lee is a true marvel of a person. Just to say that he did amazing things would not even begin to describe the legacy he created. Despite the fact that I didn't read much comics as a child, nor did I have a chance to meet him, he holds a special place in my heart because thanks to co-creating X-Men with Jack Kirby, I wouldn't have been able to accept who I am as a person, growing up in two different countries and knowing that I didn't belong to both. Jubilee, of all characters, hits close to home. Even though she was an orphan, I, on the other hand, was away from my parents a lot, and I was bullied constantly because I was different. Jubilee, like me, had to grow up fast, and she couldn't understand why many didn't accept her. Yet once she was picked up by the X-Men, she learned to gradually appreciate herself and still be genuine, which was something I had to learn many years later. 
Keeping in mind that we are all human beings, we struggle daily to accept ourselves. We look into these worlds that Stanley created in order for us to have an example to live by daily, as well as understand the world around us. Because not everyone will accept how great we all are, but our only mission is to embrace our greatness in the most positive way we can. And for that, I am eternally grateful to you, Stanley. Thank you. Hey, uh, Peter and Eddie. Um, my name is Scott Bandla, and um, I've been reading Marvel comics since I was very young. I've always been a, a Marvel guy uh, growing up. I thought the characters were always super relatable, um, mostly because of the authenticity that Stan Lee put in them, you know, from the get go. And reading Stan Soapbox as a kid and just the Marvel bullpen uh, vibe in general was always really appealing to me. Um, my Stanley memory comes from uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2011 that uh, my wife Angela and I were fortunate enough t- uh, to get to go to. And, um, you know, by day two or three of the con, we sort of had our daily rhythm down pat. You know, we got up, got ready, got my backpack ready. We bolted downstairs. We were staring, uh, staying rather at the Marriott Marina, uh, right next to the convention center. Again, super lucky. Um, and I saw all kinds of talent, you know, that would be presenting stuff at, at, uh, at Comic-Con at the hotel. But, uh, one morning I got this head of steam going, we got out of the elevators and there was, you know, uh, um, a food stand on the way out and I would grab like an energy drink and a banana and stuff, you know, just portable things to have for the con. And I was super determined to get to the food stand and get into the convention center because we had the day planned out. And as I'm walking full steam toward the, toward the food, uh, Angela stops me. It's like, well, it tries to get my attention. I'm like, Angela, come on, you know, we got to get going. We don't want to be late for such and such a panel or whatever. And she's like, no, stop and like my first instinct is one of frustration I'm like okay but come on we what what is it we got to go and she just makes the motion with her uh with her finger that I should turn around and I stop and I turn around and Stanley is standing right behind me having a conversation with a group of guys um and I just my 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 mouth hung open a little bit. I did one of those sort of over the shoulder glances to Angela, like, Oh my God. Um, and I was like, Oh, you know, I don't want to be a dick and interrupt this conversation, but I'm never going to get this chance again. So I, I was just like, uh, excuse me guys. I I'm really sorry to interrupt, but, uh, Stan, I, I just wanted to, tell you how awesome you are and to say thank you for all of your creations. Um, You've just, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but you just had a huge impact on my life. And I would never forgive myself if I didn't just say thank you. And he's looking me straight in the eye the whole time. I mean, this guy's been hearing this for decades at this point, right? And, but he's looking me straight in the eye the whole time. And he just puts his hand out to me and he goes in that inimitable, though I'm going to try anyway, Stan voice, pal, you made my day. And, you know, I'm sure he's said that 
thousands of times, but damn it, in that moment, he meant it. You know, like everything you've ever heard about the guy is absolutely true. He is so genuine and so in touch with how he got where he is and and his relationship to the fans. And uh, just just that moment, you know, I didn't bother him for a photograph or anything, you know, because that moment was mine. I didn't need to be able to show it off to the world forever you know with it with an image it was just the i oh, i just i got to meet the guy and i got to express my appreciation to the guy and he reciprocated it and it was just such an amazing moment um you know not a unique one for fans out there by any means i'm sure but but for me it's a moment i'll never forget um you know having grown up hearing his voice in the cartoons I was watching in the eighties and, and all that. And just, he was such a, he was such a presence. Um, the world will never know his equal. Um, and anyway, uh, thanks for listening to me babble. I hope you're still listening. Um, keep up all the great work with the podcast guys. And, uh, I wish you all the success in the world. Thanks. This is Shane Hagedorn from the An Honorable Mention podcast. And man, Stan Lee has been a part of my life in one form or another for 30 years now. I've never met the man, but his creations have been with me since the first time I picked up an issue of Uncanny X-Men in the Denver airport when I was eight years old. Actually, it's been longer than that because my grandmother used to find the black and white paperback book-sized reprints of Spider-Man and Fantastic Four at garage sales. So he has had an impact on me for as long as I can remember. It's sad But at the same time, his is a life to be celebrated. He created so many things that will live beyond him, beyond me, probably even beyond my own son. And that's an amazing thing, to create a world along with so many other talented artists and writers that he's collaborated with and inspired and how his reach is extended beyond the, the, the printed pages into movies and TV shows and into other mediums, not even comic book related. His words have been inspirational. The way he is with his fans has been inspiring. <clears throat> he was a inspiring. That's the best word I think I can use to describe the man. So I think he deserves a big thank you from every single one of us who has ever uh, been touched by his words or his creations or his actions. So thank you, Stan. Rest in power. Hey there, I'm John Sherburn, editor and intern at the Marvelous Podcast. 
what Stan Lee means to me, he means a lot of things. Um, I think first and foremost, he created, for the most part, my childhood, or, or co-created it. I grew up loving the X-Men, uh, loving Spider-Man. Spider-Man was my favorite superhero growing up, and the whole universe around him, the good guys, the bad guys, the supporting characters, were such a big part of my childhood, like from a very young age. It was something that me and my dad bonded over. It was something that I, I watched the 1990s Spider-Man TV show more than any other TV show my whole childhood. Um, some of my first comic books were X-Men and Spider-Man, and I, I can't thank Stan enough for allowing me to enjoy that hobby and allowing me to have that as a foundational part of my childhood. I think something that he, as well as a lot of other creators, specifically he brought to the table is he has this... You know, superheroes have this insane ability to take content and reach a large audience. Uh, you know, the stuff that they create, the stuff that Stan Lee created, um, appeals to kids and it appeals to young people from a young age, but it has the ability to appeal to an older audience as well. Because while it's fun and action and fantasy um, and imaginative, it also has real characters with real human emotions. And I think one of um, Stan Lee's biggest benefits and one of the things he did best was create characters that were believable and that were human as well as fantastical so so I want to thank him for being such a big part of my childhood and being such an important um figure even though at the time I didn't even know who he was growing up I didn't know who Stanley was but I knew so many of the characters he created and the characters he created in so many ways were a part of my life so he indirectly was such a big influence uh, I guess the other thing I want to say is that I'm so happy he got to live long enough to see his dream become a phenomenon. Like his, the universe he created when he created, you know, the universe that he helped create as it was being created was uh, popular among kids. It was popular among a certain section of adults. But overall, it wasn't sweeping the nation at all. In the 60s and 70s and 80s and things, it wasn't sweeping the nation. Um, and... He lived just long enough to see that happen. He lived just long, long enough to see things like the Avengers, things like Spider-Man, you know, things like X-Men. They have this movie franchise. They all have these, this, you know, the MCU and then the universes around it have this, th these franchises that have in the last 20 years swept the freaking country. You know, they swept, they, they've completely taken over and it's something that's beautiful to see and so many creators don't get to see that happen and I'm so glad he did. So thank you, Stan Lee, for everything you've done for countless people among across the world. Um, rest in peace, man. So I never actually met Stan Lee in person himself. My dad did, but I personally never did. Um, and while I am a DC fanboy, I still have a lot of respect for Stan and. To me, he has a he he holds a special place in in my in my heart, mainly because he wrote the first comic I ever read. Um, so growing up, I loved superhero stories, but I didn't really read the comics that much. I watched a lot of the TV shows like Batman animated series and Justice League, but what. What was a turning point for me was when I saw the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. I loved it, and I wanted to learn more about Spider-Man. So that Easter, 
I got The Amazing Spider-Man Essential Volume 1. And I loved that book. I could not put it down. I read it every single day. And I just loved... I loved those stories. Um, I related so much to Peter Parker. Um, and even to this day, that's why Spider-Man is my favorite Marvel superhero. And it was all... That honestly, that was the first comic I ever read, and that kind of was a stepping stone for me into this huge universe that Stan and Jack and Steve and so many others created, as well as all those guys on DC side. So, thanks, Stan, for introducing me to the world of comics. Hey guys, this is Brother Nate from the Post Wrestling Network, the Kings of Sport podcast, the Always Forward podcast, and the Black Lightning podcast. But I'm not here to talk about myself this week. I am here to talk about a man that had a profound impact on each and every one of us. And that, of course, is the late, great Stan Lee. And you know, these days, words like icon and legend get thrown around so freely but Stan Lee was all of those things and so much more. Stan sparked the imaginations of generations of comic book fans and moviegoers and, and cartoon watchers and just true believers in general. And he showed us that comic books could become serious business. And along the way, Stan and the other Marvel creators appealed to our better angels. And they weaved lessons of tolerance and acceptance and diversity and individuality into these superhero stories. And for that, I will always be grateful. And those lessons that they gave us are as important now as they were the day they were first printed on the page. So I just wanted to give a tip of the cap to Stan the Man Lee. And even though you're no longer with us, sir, your work will live on forever. Rest in power, Brother Lee. Hi, this is Andrew Christopher coming in live from Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey, where I was fortunate enough to film an episode of Comic Book Men with the one and only legendary Stan Lee. I didn't know I was going to be filming with Stan. Uh, when I met him, he was every bit as awesome as I could have dreamed. And it was a, a dream come true. Stan, you will be remembered for thousands of years. You created characters like Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Black Panther, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Daredevil. You will be remembered, and you will continue to inspire millions for years to come. Thank you, Stan Lee, and rest in peace. Hey, this is R.D. Reynolds from WrestleCraft.com and WrestleCraft Radio. And I'm very honored to be able to be on here today and talk about memories of Stan Lee. I think my memory of Stan Lee is going to be very different uh, from most. Because my favorite thing related to Stan Lee ever isn't a comic book. It's not a movie. It is what I consider to be the greatest theme park ride ever made. It's called The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man. It's at Universal's Islands of Adventure in Orlando, Florida. And it is just absolutely 
fantastic. And it's something that you wouldn't think Stan Lee would have anything to do with. I mean, I'm sure he didn't design the hydraulics that made the ride vehicle so cool. He didn't come up with a 3D imagery to, you know, make this such an amazing experience. But he created the character. He created the characters that were involved. Spider-Man, Doc Ock. If you've never ridden the ride, first of all, I would say, however you possibly have to get to Universal Studios in Orlando, go. Figure it out. I don't care if you have to sell blood, bone marrow, uh, your, your, un, your mint inbox virtual boy, whatever you have to do, it is worth your effort to go and ride this ride. It is so awesome. So it follows Spider-Man. He is, uh, he is uh, out and he is fighting uh, the Sinister Syndicate. Uh, so you had Doc Ock and, and several other people uh, that, that are there and they're fighting you. Uh, the Hobgoblin. So many of these different characters. So you get in a ride vehicle it bounces you around. You have 3D glasses on. Spider-Man shows up. J. Jonah Jameson uh, is doing the running commentary, and he is so hysterical. And that's, uh, again, that is such a great character, J. Jonah Jameson. Such a great character. So he's doing the uh, voiceover throughout the ride. You ride along. As you go along, different villains attack Spider-Man and attack your ride vehicle. The Hobgoblin throws uh, pumpkin bombs and it's a 3D effect as you're riding along but there are also real elements that come into play. So Hobgoblin throws a pumpkin bomb. It misses your ride vehicle but it hits a wall behind the ride vehicle and it bursts into flames. Not the ride vehicle but, but the wall next to the ride vehicle. It is so amazing. And it is something that you have... It, it would they, they actually did a lot of the same effects. The ride vehicle is exactly the same uh, on another universal ride uh, that is Transformers. And it's even the ending is the same. You fall, you know, uh, off this, you know... <laughs> Empire State Building, you're falling so far and it feels like you're really falling and then Spider-Man comes, saves the day. The Transformers ride is the exact same thing. You're falling and, and one of the Transformers catches you. It's not even in the same universe and why is that? The answer to that is because Spider-Man is so iconic and has so much character. So much character. Throughout the ride, he is what Spider-Man is. He's, he's a comical, wise-cracking uh, teenager, and it's just so great. He has the great villains, Doc Ock, Hobgoblin. There, he's fighting them, and of course, J. Jonah Jameson. Thank you, Stan Lee. I may be the only one whenever you're going out and you're, you're hearing all these things. Stan Lee made my favorite theme park ride ever and trust me I have been to a thousand I have been 
to so many theme parks, both here in the United States, in Europe, all over the world. I've been to all these theme parks, all these amusement parks. And if I could only ride one ride, one ride out of all of those in all my years, it would be The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man at Universal Islands of Adventure, and that ride would not exist without Stan Lee. Mr. Lee, thank you. Hey, guys. Uh, here's my Stan Lee thing for the show. Before I could even read a comic, I knew who Stan Lee was. My dad would sometimes take his grocery shopping, and it used to be a selection of VHS tapes you could rent. We didn't get a blockbuster until years later. Most of those tapes were collections of 80s Marvel cartoons, most notably Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Stanley did the introduction narration for each episode of that show. I had no idea who he was, but I knew his voice. Later, my dad would tell me the guy talking during the cartoon also wrote the comics back when dad was a kid. We know today that Stan co-wrote and co-created most of those characters, and my favorite, Daredevil, being among them, that he created alongside Bill Everett. But back then, my mind was kind of blown at the concept that one person created an entire universe. I never got to meet my heroes. George Carlin died in 2008, and my only real interaction with him uh, was through an agent at the time, who sent me George's contract writer. They requested a limousine and a copy in the New York Times. That's all I remember. I never met Walt Disney, uh, but given his alleged feelings about my people, that's probably for the best. I also had a chance to meet Bill Cosby, but as it worked out, it's, <laughs> it's better that I didn't, you know? Stanley was the last one that listed people I looked up to, or did, in the case of Cosby. But I figured Stan was going to be around forever, so there was never really any rush to meet him. And even if I did meet him, I was always a little scared that I wouldn't have anything to say. Usually, I'm a great talker. When I met the few celebrities I actually give a crap about, I found myself mostly to be speechless. Uh, William Shatner comes to mind. He still thinks my name is Richard because I was getting a picture autographed for my dad, and that's why I said my name was. But even though I never met Stan, and my own career in comics is still in its infancy, I feel like I knew him well. I knew his voice. I had heard all the wonderful stories that everyone seemed to have about him. He didn't seem like a distant celebrity, but an uncle we all had that everyone loved. And even if that uncle sometimes said or did things we didn't like, we still enjoyed their company and always looked forward to seeing them again. And in recent years, we saw Stan a lot. My dad knows Stan as the guy who created the entire comics universe. I know him before I started reading comics as the guy who narrated my favorite cartoons. But today, my niece knows him as that funny old guy who shows up in all the Marvel movies. That's a hell of a thing. And also a hell of a way to be remembered. Stan existed beyond the comic book world in a way that a lot of creators have yet to emulate successfully, but he left behind the blueprint we should all strive to build upon. Even though I never got to meet one of my heroes, I feel like I got to know Stan real well. And like George Carlin, there's hours of footage and interviews out there that Stan left behind. And as far as we know, there's still even a few more cameos to come in the films. So although we all miss Stan, we won't miss him too much, because he's not truly gone from this world, and that's something we should all be thankful for. Hello, this is Jesse Gambino, and I'm here to give a special tribute to a very, very special man. <clears throat> I want to thank Stan Lee for all that he's done for the world, how he's made sure that every person, black, white, small, big, tall, green, they always had a place. 
they always had a place in this world, and he always managed to find the good in, in, in everybody. No matter how evil a person can be, he always found a way to sympathize, and he was ahead of the, the curb, ahead of his time. He was ahead of everybody with what he, he saw and his vision, and he inspired millions and millions and millions of people to to follow their dreams and and be the heroes that they want to be because not every hero wears a cape or has x-ray vision or can can climb walls or buildings or shoot blasters or whatever the case is so thank you stanley i want to thank you for creating some of the greatest characters in all of comic book history from daredevil to Kingpin, to to Cyclops, to to so many different, just different characters, Hawkeye and the the gar, you know Groot. Jeez, uh, I mean. You know, I could go on, Galactus was an amazing character, you know. There are just so many great characters that he was a part of. Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, just anything under the sun. So thank you, Stan Lee, for making the world better. And may you rest in peace the proper way. And I hope that whatever it is that you wanted... On the afterlife, you get, because you totally deserve it. This is Jesse Gambino, signing off. I appreciate Stan Lee um, because of the brand he created in Marvel and the fact that he allowed uh, superheroes to sort of not only form an escape to the world, but also give us an idea growing up. And when you're watching these shows, um, of some of the careers or what they are like when they're not suiting up and... Uh, fighting evil. Uh, for me, Spider-Man growing up kind of was one of the first glimpses of journalism um, and in a way was one of my first introductions to it. Um, also, uh, I appreciate things he did like the X-Men and such because things like with them and how they're different and how society treats them because they're different uh, in a way is very uh, relatable to what we have in our society today. So, the fact that these comic books um, and these shows and movies, all of which he helped create, sort of allow discussions to take place, important ones in our society, that might not have otherwise taken place. So that is why I appreciate Stan Lee and um, uh, hope he rests in peace. Hi, this is Daniel Kibblesmith. Uh, I'm a writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And for Marvel Comics, I'm the writer of Lockjaw and Black Panther vs. Deadpool. Uh, it feels very weird to be eulogizing someone that I did not know and to be talking alone in an empty room in my house. And I'm also a little allergic to the way that the internet has learned how to make the death of a famous person uh, about uh, ourselves. But there are things that I want to say about Stan Lee, and I'm going to try very hard not to do that. 
I think that I might be the only comic creator who hasn't met Stanley, uh, which is an incredible microcosm of his life, uh, because it is an act that is both highly uh, canny from a salesman point of view, uh, and incredibly giving and uh, generous of his time and his presence. I I feel like we took for granted that uh, this year we were walking around with living creators of the things that have suddenly subsumed all of pop culture, uh, the way that uh, Westerns and Bible stories did uh, in other eras of uh, media. And the difference is that this time we have so many of the people who made them, uh, made them beloved, who made them, and made them beloved uh, among us still. And uh, we're so fortunate to be able to uh, talk to them. But uh, Stanley was different and special and central and uh, in, in some ways uh, the originator uh, of a lot of what we love. Uh, maybe not the originator, as he sometimes <laughs> claimed, but uh, one of the uh, vital originators. And the way I see it... Uh, the thing that uh, maybe I took for granted, the thing that we lost this week, was a tether between uh, the place where these creations come from uh, and our love and our relationship with them. And uh, they will live on. And we will have as close to a complete understanding and appreciation of them as is possible but we will never be able to talk to the guy again. And to me, it feels like the the stone tablets that the commandments are written on, those will be around forever, but uh, we don't have Moses. We don't have the guy who came down from the mountaintop and can tell us uh, what it was like to to be there and to be him. And uh, I think that is something that uh, I am now very, very appreciative of. I never had the opportunity to meet Stan Lee. But I always felt like I got little snippets of his personality in the way he created his characters. And when he made his cameos in the Marvel films. I always thought it was interesting that he took on these really tiny characters that had these cameo appearances and he did so much with them. The first one I remember seeing in theaters was in the first X-Men film in 2000 when he played the hot dog vendor on the beach when Senator Kelly comes up out of the water. It was such a huge... uh, scene for me because I knew he was going to be in it. I knew what to look for. And it was so cool to see him in that. And so when he started showing up in the first Spider-Man movie and X-Men 2, it became this trend that I thought was just so cool and so fun. Very Hitchcock, but at the same time, instead of just being a cameo, he was not, he was a, a he was a character, a real character. And it was... 
a side of him that you got to see little parts of his personality, uh, his sense of humor. He didn't take himself too seriously. He knew that what he wanted to do was to entertain, whether it was showing up in movies in these cameo roles or in the characters he created and the stories he told. I remember that as a kid growing up, introduced to comic books as a young kid. I wanted to make stories like that. Fantastic stories and, and redrafting mythos and, uh, and reintroducing the world to ancient stories with a new spin, just like he did with his characters. And I will be forever grateful for the work that Stan Lee did with Marvel Comics and even some of the more uh, independent stuff he worked on as well. Rest in peace, Stanley. Excelsior. I don't really have anything to say about Stan Lee that hasn't already been said, but it's a sad day indeed, man. I, I actually, I've been dreading this day for years. Like, I remember talking to friends and it's like, yo, what what's going to happen when Stan Lee dies? Like, because, you know, think about it. Like, he's been old since we were kids. You know what I'm saying? This guy was 95 years old, so he's been old since we were kids, you know, me being in my um, late 30s. But, yeah, I, I remember Stan Lee being this, like, jolly old guy, you know, used to watch at the beginning of Marvel shows. But, I, yeah, it was around the 2000s, like, late 2000s, early 2010s, where I'm like, oh, man, I think Stan Lee's going to, you know, you know, bite it one day. And sure enough, as soon as his wife passed away, I was like, yeah, he's probably not long for this world. And, you know, the day finally came. But weirdly enough, like, even though I was upset, it didn't really hit me as hard as I thought it was going to. I was just more appreciative of, you know, everything he's given us. You know, Spider-Man, Hulk, Iron Man, Daredevil, all these characters. You know, I, I was just really happy to have lived in a time when Stanley was alive. And I got to experience all that. Again, starting from him hosting... TV shows up to all of his appearances in Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Really fun stuff just seeing this guy. Like, there's not a lot of people like Stan Lee nowadays where you could just feel like that joy that they have and it just comes out of them, you know? I heard him described as like, you know, your favorite uncle. I think that's a pretty good uh description of him, you know? It, again, it, it it's upsetting, but at the same time, we still have all these wonderful like works from Stan Lee to enjoy. The man's a legend, you know, no, no one's ever going to take that away from him. I'm pretty sure in the coming months and years, people are going to be more critical of him, you know, looking looking at his career more uh, critically, which is fine. You could do that. But right now, I think we should celebrate what he's given us and how he's enriched all of our lives. So, you know, rest in peace, Stan Lee, and thank you so much for the decades of entertainment. Hi there, Marvelous. This is Dalen Roll from LeonardMalton.com slash film and my own website, MagicAlamo.com. I just wanted to give a quick little tribute or thoughts on the passing of Stan Lee, who, in my opinion, is one of the most important figures in modern pop culture. And the fact that he's now gone is definitely leaving a hole in what is the current state of pop culture and comic books itself. To me, Stan is the Walt Disney of comics. When I think of my introduction to Marvel 
and the world of comic books and graphic novels in general, I always put Stan Lee as the visual representation of that whole world. He was the first voice I ever heard, the first creator I ever knew existed when I watched you know, several cartoons and stuff on TV that were related to Marvel properties. He was just an important icon to me. And he also was the first memory that I got from going to New York Comic Con back in 2006. He was, you know, going back and forth down the hallway of the first couple of hundred people that were going into the convention that year. And he shook every single one of our hands, including mine. And getting to see someone who was fundamentally a huge part of the creation of some of my favorite comic book characters, including Black Panther and the Hulk and so many other incredible, iconic heroes that as a kid I loved, you know, was just absolutely amazing. And he was truly the, you know, person that introduced me to what it's like to be a nerd and also to be accepted among a nerdy community of people that just need a voice and Stan Lee's creations were that voice for the misfits of the world that didn't get to be you know heard through any other forms of media. I really hope that people take away from Stan's passing that you can be a voice in a sea of thousands that really touches people's lives and gives them inspiration and a whole new way to view the misfits and the outsiders of the world through a different lens. I think that's how we viewed characters like Peter Parker and all of the other incredible characters that he wrote. And we're able to see a little bit of ourselves in them or what we wish we could be. And that's definitely what Stan Lee did for me. So with that, you know, I think it's really important for us to remember the legacy that this man left on so many people's lives. From me being a little kid and becoming a giant fan of Black Panther back in the 90s to a little kid now seeing those same characters up on the big screen in the MCU. Stan is an incredible person and he will deeply be missed, especially with the incredible accomplishments he made and imprints he made on so many people's lives, including mine. Hey, this is Frank with Ken and Pete from Nonproductive's Near Mint Comic Radio. Uh, what can we say about Stan Lee that a million other fans wouldn't have already said? How about the time we hunted him down for an autograph at New York Comic Con? That's a great one. Back in 2010, the entire non-pro team went to New York Comic Con. Each with our own list of interviews we wanted to get, but everyone had the same side quest. Meet Stan Lee. It was like follow that bird, but with Stan Lee. Anyways, we go back and forth with Stan's publicist, and everyone's really nice and professional, but we can't sit down to talk with him. Except one lone cub reporter. Matt, his first year, he scores some time with Stan and gets him to sign his arm. And later had that signature permanently tattooed to his skin. Oh, of course he does. So now he likes to say that he's an original Stanley creation. And in a way, I think we all are. Stanley helped define the things we geeks use to define ourselves. And that's amazing. Thank you, Stanley. You will be missed, but you will be with us forever. And thanks to the Marvelist for letting us share the memories. 
Excelsior. Hi, this is Todd Matthew from Robots vs. Princesses. Um, I just wanted to give a quick memory of uh, the time I met Stanley. It was at my first New York Comic Con, and I was at an event that was a tribute to him at the Virgin Mega Store. Um, I remember just waiting to just to just shake his hand and get a picture with him. And what I did, I told him that I was one day going to create universes just like him. I was 24 years old at the time, but um, that's the magic of Stanley. You know, he could make you, he can make anybody feel like a kid again, and. Um, he and and he just, and he created and that's what, and that's the magic of what he did. Um, Stan, we miss you. We love you. The world was a better place because you were in it. You lived an excelsior life. Thank you for everything. So uh, it was a few years ago at New York Comic Con, and me and a couple of friends were on our way to the, I believe it was the Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom panel. Uh, but on the way, I had to use the bathroom. So uh, I asked him to give me a second, and I headed to one of those smaller bathrooms along the hallway on the bottom level of the Javits Center. Uh, so I go in, I walk in, see four urinals. There's an old guy to the left and another guy all the way to the right. Uh, so I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but I'd rather not stand next to anybody while I pee. But uh, figuring as I had no choice, I said, screw it, and I went next to the old guy. So I unzip, start doing my business, and out of the corner of my eye... You know, I see a familiar figure. I'm not trying to be weird or anything, but I look over and I ask, I says, you know, am I pissing next to Stan Lee right now? Uh, and the guy in his all too familiar voice uh, just says, it would appear so. So at that moment, I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the bathroom pissing next to Stan Lee. So a couple seconds back and forth, we talk about his schedule or whatever. Uh, then he steps back, gives me a poke in the shoulder, and he says, well, it was a pleasure, sir. Uh, and right there and then, I'm like, no one's going to believe me that this ever happens. Uh, so yeah, that was my, uh, time I met Stanley in the Comic-Con bathroom. Good times. Hey everyone, uh, this is Andrew Rue, also known as Matt Turner, for all you independent pro wrestling fans. Just want to thank the Marvelous for giving me a few minutes to talk about the, uh, one and only Stanley. Um, Stan more than, he did more than change comics, he did more than changed pop culture he really changed the world he really did um i can go on and on and on about stan's uh, contributions but i'm sure everyone in this podcast is do a better job than i will so i'm just going to share a personal story i had with uh with stan um stan did uh cons up until his up until uh, he was in his 90s uh up until about two years ago um so that would have made him 93. Back in 2016, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him at New York Comic Con. And you can tell he truly cared about his fans because his schedule was loaded for the four days that he was there between fan photo ops and autograph sessions. I mean, I don't know if the guy had a moment to breathe. So at 92, he was he was still trucking and going and really just making sure he gave the uh, fans uh, their money's worth. So um my story goes with this. I had a bunch of stuff for Stan to sign, and one of the things I had was the Avengers movie poster, the first Avengers movie. And as I had it rolled out and I passed it to uh, his handler, and as he was signing things, I realized that he was signing everything in black with a black Sharpie, and the background on the Avengers poster was all black. So I was thinking in the back of my head, oh no, his signature is not going to show up at all on this poster, and I'm going to be out a few bucks here. 
So as Stan went to go sign it, he goes, uh, he looks at me and he goes, oh no, because this isn't going to come out at all. He goes, what color would you like me to sign it and wear? I said, well, Stan, that's up to you. You do what you want to do. So he grabbed the silver Sharpie and he goes, how about if I sign in silver and I sign it right by Thor's hammer? So right on the poster, I mean, he knew. I mean, and it came out great. Right next to Thor's hammer, Chris Hemsworth's hammer, uh, he signed right there, Stan Lee. So it was just the little things like that, that really, really, I mean, he went the extra mile uh, for his fans. Um, so thank you to uh, everyone listening. Thank you for the marvelous, for giving this time to talk about the one and only Stan Lee. And remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. I'm the Colorado Captain. I'm a Captain America cosplayer, and I'm riding my Harley across the nation for charity. But I'd like to share a moment with all of you as we seek to reflect upon the life and work of Stanley. Now, to quote Stan himself, that person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do is indeed, without a doubt, a superhero. Now, the comic industry, it's seen a great deal of heroes come and go over the years, much as it has had the privilege to host exceptional creators. Creators like Joe Simon, Jack Kirby, and of course, Stan the Man, who are responsible for bringing one particular character to life whom many of us hold close to our hearts. I'm referring to my favorite superhero, Captain America. A symbol to the nation, a hero to the world, the story of Captain America is one of honor, bravery, and sacrifice. And when I think of all the millions of fans who loved Stan so much, uh, I think that Cap would have gladly been counted among them. You see, comics and the inspirations for which they are responsible have rippled through our lives, touching the hearts and minds of both young and old alike. You're given a moment to look outside of yourself and see something better, to imagine, to feel possibility again. It's the basis of hope. And comics, appropriately superhero stories, they offer you a window into a world that is beautiful, because you see the struggles of your own life mirrored in that of a quote-unquote heroes. So, so then, if these larger-than-life characters with all their power and might still face the same challenges as you or I, then what other proof do we need that we are already the champions of our own stories, that our future is whatever we make of it? So make it a good one. Thank you, Stanley. Thank you for the love you've showed to your fans, for the inspiration you've provided, and, and for the characters you've created. But none of them will ever compare to the finest character of all. Yours. Colorado Captain, salute. There's much more that could be said, covered, played, listened to, read, and that will unfold in the days and weeks and months to come, and years. And decades, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. We've just done our part to share what we know, and thank you for contributing and, and listening and reading and keeping the faith, keeping on going, making yours marvel, keeping an open mind about many things, whether it's strictly marvel or otherwise.
And uh, a big thank you, of course, to the man who started it all. If it wasn't for Stanley, I really would not be sitting here talking to all of you, you know, BSing my way through talking about this stuff and almost sounding like I know what I'm talking about. Stan was the guy that gave me the inspiration to just keep trying, to keep going forward and doing what makes me happy because that's what Stan always wanted everyone to do. He was an amazing human being that, yeah, he was flawed. There's no such thing as the perfect human being. But the legacy he leaves behind, Stanley and people like Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, John Buscema, yeah, they left behind their families, their loved ones, but they also left behind these creations that will live on for decades, for centuries. When we're gone, when we're long gone, these characters will still be living on. They will still be a prevalent thing. Maybe the superhero movie craze will die down and we won't see as many movies, but these characters will live on T-shirts, video games, comic books, of course, television shows. As long as there are eyes to see this stuff, it'll still be around. Eyes and ears. And it's special that we got to share this world with Stan because he was the guy that made us want to believe. And it sucks that he's gone. But I'm happy to say I got to experience all this stuff because of him and will continue to discover and appreciate his creations begat other creations. Thank you, Stan. So now before we go, how can people get a hold of us on social media, Eddie? How? First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there. Go on Instagram at The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick. Yourself. Eddie9193. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Marvelists. Myself at Peter Melnick. You can also drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, not the time for the rest, but you get my point. Go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Leave a five-star if you're ever so inclined to do so. You can also listen to this show on a wide variety of platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and now Spotify. Also, be sure to go on Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And you help support the show. And when you do that, after the one-month free trial is over, it's $4.99 a month. We recommend staying just because. So yeah, Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. So, for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Rest in peace, Stanley Martin Lieber. Now... And forever, Excelsior. Excelsior.